Hey ladies, welcome to the Losing Fat on Plants podcast. So happy to have you join me. My name is Jennifer and I'm a certified fat loss nutrition coach. I created this podcast for the menopausal woman who's maintaining a fully or partly plant-based diet, but is still struggling like I once did to lose fat because of cycling sugar binges. Menopausal weight gain is for real, and it's more than just calories in, calories out. Hormones, stress, and lifestyle are factors that can affect our appetite and complicate how we feel and behave around food, especially during our midlife. Come on, sister, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If your appetite has increased, you're craving foods high in sugar, and you can't stop overeating, then you're in the right place. Lady friend. Don't spend precious time feeling miserable about how you look and your weight. Instead, join me each week as I share evidence-based strategies to help you manage your sweet tooth on a plant-based diet while keeping it real. You don't have to give up your favorite desserts. Let me show you how you can enjoy sweets guilt-free while on your journey towards losing fat on plants. Hope to see you there. Take care. Welcome back to another episode of Losing Fat on Plants. I hope you guys are all doing fantastically. And yeah, I'm excited about this episode. Um, It's actually an extension of the topic that we started last week. So I'm just going to hop right in. We talked about why what you eat is more important than how much. And if you recall, I talked about menopause and the stages and symptoms. I highlighted in the last episode that the symptoms appear typically in your late 40s, but you don't officially hit menopause until you have gone 12 months without bleeding. Before that, you're in the perimenopausal stage. And any time after that, if you remember, you're in the postmenopausal stage and symptoms can continue up to 10 or 15 years in the postmenopausal stage. So knowing the stages are helpful for recognizing if you're still fertile or roughly how long you may have until your menopausal symptoms come to an end. But because menopausal symptoms vary widely among women with respect to the intensity and the duration, it's not guaranteed that your symptoms will follow a particular pattern. And for the sake of fat loss, it doesn't matter what stage you're in. If you're symptomatic, you're symptomatic. And regardless of the stage, symptoms can have an impact on your appetite and on your sleeping, on your stress levels, on your mood swings, and ultimately your eating behavior. And therefore, regardless of the stage, you want to be able to build a routine that will safeguard you so that you stay on track, especially when you're triggered due to symptoms. This is why I discussed the science behind fat loss so that you can apply fundamental principles to your eating habits that will help you build a fat loss strategy that will help you when you're experiencing stress lack of sleep or cravings and any other types of um, menopausal symptoms. So if you want to have more details specifically about the law of thermodynamics or the energy balance that we discussed um, last week, then go back back to episode three 
to um, review or, or just to get more information about the science behind fat loss. I'm not going to repeat all of that here, but in summary, I do want to um, highlight again that our weight is determined by the balance between the energy we consume and the energy we burn. And as menopausal ladies, we want to stay in a negative energy balance until we reach our happy weight. And once we reach our happy weight, then we want to maintain our weight, right? We want to um, consume as much as we burn. So this means we want to be in a negative balance by eating less than what we burn until we reach our desired weight. And then we want to consume as much as we burn no more or no less. To stay in a negative energy balance, you can certainly exercise like crazy until you've burned your goal calories each day, but that's not the most efficient way. When it comes to staying in a negative energy balance in order to lose fat, the most efficient way is to manage what you put in your mouth because nutrition has the most significant impact on the scale than any other factor. As a 50-year-old sedentary woman, meaning you have a desk job or you're sitting mostly during the day and you exercise minimally, you're expected to burn roughly 1,800 calories a day. If you're active, meaning you're able to achieve at least 10,000 steps a day, you can burn up to 2,200 calories in a day. To burn any more than, than the 2,200 calories in a day, by exercising or accumulating more steps is physically difficult and taxing for your body. You cause yourself stress and increase the chance of physical injury. And remember, stress impacts your hormones and can ultimately drive you to overeat. So you want to avoid that at all costs. But, and this is a huge but for the menopausal woman, you can easily eat more than 2,200 calories a day. This means you could exercise all you want, but if you overeat, which can without difficulty happen if you're triggered, you automatically put yourself in a positive energy balance, which means you gain fat. So we want to control our consumption of calories, even if we're physically active, because we can better control the energy balance by increasing the total number of calories we burn without running ourselves into the ground. Now you can restrict food in order to reduce the calories that you consume. That would be the quickest way to control your consumption of calories, but it's not sustainable. And we want to build eating habits that we enjoy and that are maintainable. Otherwise, we're not likely to stay consistent and, and stay on track. We want to eat food that we love and that fills us up and doesn't make us feel as though we're denying ourselves that also doesn't trigger us and drive us to overeat, putting us in a positive energy balance. Foods that typically trigger overeating are foods that are high in sugar, high in fat, and high in sodium. These foods also happen to have the highest calorie content. So not only are you triggered to overeat these, these types of foods, but you multiply the number of calories that you consume per meal compared to lower calorie foods. That's why eating less processed foods that typically contain more sugar, 
fat and salt and are higher in calories is super important to manage your calorie intake. If you reduce or eliminate processed foods and replace them with whole foods that are rich in nutrients and lower in calories, you can both improve your nutrition and impact the energy balance. So try to visualize the foods on a spectrum, processed foods being on one end and whole foods being on the other end. You should try to eat as many foods on the whole foods end of the spectrum as possible. This will automatically put you in a negative energy balance without denying yourself food. Even if you eat the same amount of food that you currently eat, let's say about two pounds worth of food, by changing the quality of the foods that you eat, like, you know, so that they're lower in sugar, fat, and salt, like which is typically in processed foods, you can decrease your calorie intake even if the amount that you eat stays the same. And this is the number one reason why what you eat is more important than how much. Did you get that? Let, let me repeat that in case you're multitasking. By changing the quality of your foods so that they are lower in sugar, fat, and salt, you can decrease your calorie intake even if the amount that you eat stays the same. Now, let's visualize this time the whole foods on its own spectrum with lower calorie whole foods on one end and higher calorie whole foods on the other end. This way you can even control your calorie intake even further, right? Not all whole foods are low in calories, but compared to processed foods, they may be but there are some whole foods that are to be avoided as much as possible because they contain high levels of fat naturally, like nuts and seeds and oils and dairy products like milk and cream and cheese and fatty meats. So on that whole food spectrum, you would see nuts and seeds and oils and animal fat on one end. And on the other end, you would see low calorie fruits and veggies like zucchini, cucumbers, tomatoes, blueberries, lettuce, and greens like spinach and kale. Now you could eat mainly lower calorie veggies, which would reduce your calorie intake dramatically. But this is typically not maintainable because you wouldn't feel full or satisfied. You may also feel as though you're denying yourself, which could trigger binge eating if your subconscious mind thinks there is a lack of food or scarcity. So the key here is to master the whole foods spectrum by balancing between lower and higher calorie foods, trying as much as possible to maintain a more plant-based diet that naturally has fewer calories as a whole than a non-plant-based diet excluding sugars, nuts, and oils, of course. So the whole food veggies that fill you up and satisfy you, and I'm thinking in terms of comfort foods, are like potatoes and beans, 
right? Any type of potato and any type of bean. These are starchy foods that are somewhat higher in calories than non-starchy veggies, but they fill you up and they protect you from overeating high calorie foods. And they also provide you with protein and carbs, right? That are needed for muscle maintenance. We, we learned in the last episode that each year, menopausal women lose anywhere between 3% and 8% in muscle mass, right? So these foods like um, potatoes uh, or beans that have um, a lot of carbs, but also protein, they are needed for our muscle maintenance. And they also help with with energy and rejuvenation after our workouts, for example. So this is important for menopausal women who are typically losing muscle mass each year. So I mentioned also in the last episode that in order to manage your calories without having to count them or to measure macros or having to read labels on the backs of packages, you should prep your plates with half non-starchy veggies and half of your plate with starchy veggies and also fiber. That way you can ensure to be eating below your calorie limit per meal or per plate. To stay in a negative energy balance, you want to stay within 500 to 600 calories per plate or meal if you're eating at least three meals daily. Now, having an overall calorie consumption of roughly 1,600 to 1,800 calories per day for fat loss is typical for um, women, depending on your goals and your calorie requirements. The standard calorie requirement for women is roughly 1,800 to 2,200 calories per day. This includes the calories that you need at rest for example, if you're maintaining bodily functions like breathing and, and circulation, these are referred to as your resting me- metabolic rate. And as well as the calories that you need for your daily activities and exercise, you'll need to reduce your consumption by at least 500 to 600 calories less than your daily requirement in order to achieve a negative energy balance, which would bring about a weight loss of at least one pound per week, which is a safe amount um, that will keep you at a reduced risk for binge eating. And it also keeps you relatively close to your calorie requirement to maintain your body functions at rest. So you don't put yourself under too much stress. You can also reduce your consumption by 250 to 300 calories per day if that's easier to manage. And this would bring about a fat loss of half a pound per week. It will take you longer to hit your goal, but the best rate is truly the one that is doable for you and that you can maintain easily. Now there are levels to this. That what I just described, that's for the average woman before menopause. For you as a menopausal woman, the older you get, the fewer calories you're expected to need, which is a complete joke because your appetite is likely to increase as your estrogen goes down. But because we lose muscle mass and bone density, the older we get, the fewer calories we need to maintain bone and muscle tissue. 
So studies show that as a menopausal woman, your calorie needs reduce from a maximum of 2,200 calories to 1,800 calories per day. That means before menopause, I could eat up to 400 calories more and still be within my calorie requirement. And after menopause, I have to reduce the calories by 400 to stay within my requirements and not pick up any weight. And the thing is, most of us are eating over that amount. Otherwise, we wouldn't pick up the typical menopausal weight gain, right? But that's a lot of calories to withdraw from your energy account. If it would be money, we would feel a difference right away. So staying on track with our calories is that much more important and following the right food rules will help keep us there. Now, don't be afraid of the term food rules. I mentioned this in the last episode. I know that terminology like this gets a bad rap because of the whole anti-diet culture. But here's the thing. If you want to lose weight, you need to follow some type of guidelines that will help you manage what you're putting into your mouth. So ignore the term if it bothers you and just know that the guidelines are important because all you really want to care about is saving your behind from gaining the fat you want to keep off. So if it helps you to not think of these guidelines as food rules, then think of them as calorie management tools, right? Um, And if I happen to mention primary food rules or fundamentals or guidelines, then just replace that with calorie management tool. So the one that I mentioned last week, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about today is prepping your plate with one half starchy, one half with starchy vegetables and the other half with starchy vegetables, right? Or did I say that the wrong way around? One half of your plate with starchy veggies, the other half with non-starchy veggies, right? So half, half. And this way of managing your calories, it's a game changer because when you eat a meal that fills you up in terms of volume, like in your stomach, your stomach is um, filled with food, you feel satisfied, and it contains mostly veggies, then you're able to create a negative energy balance without denying yourself food. That's pretty cool, right? So here's an example of, of what I mean. Like one of the meals, one of my favorite meals that I eat, I would say, and I'm embarrassed to say actually, but, uh, but I'm not really embarrassed to say, I eat it like probably almost every week is lentil stew, stew. I love lentil stew. It's so, so good. And it's so easy to make right? It's one of my favorite, favorite meals. And I make it with a, a slow cooker. I usually batch my meals so that I have my meals ready ahead of time. So it takes the thinking out of doing during the week when I'm really busy and I need like to eat quickly. I don't want to have to think about it. I don't want to spend time in the kitchen making something. Um, yeah. So I, I just have this same recipe that I make over and over again. I mean, it's what's a recipe. It's, I just basically put vegetables, um, in the slow cooker and I let the slow cooker do the work, right? So most of the work is just cutting. And because that takes some time, I like to batch it. So I don't have to worry about that during the week, but I include non-starchy carrots and peppers and, and broccoli, cabbage, 
onions and leeks and garlic, those are all like low, low calorie veggies, right? Um, but I stuff this um, ceramic container with mostly those type of vegetables because I know um, if I have mostly those vegetables in my meal, you know, like I, I put a lot of that in there and then I make a bowl and it has mostly lower calorie veg, veggies in there. That means my overall meal will be a low calorie meal, right? So the other half, I, I put like starchy sweet potatoes in there, um, normal potatoes, like waxy, those, um, you know, like I don't like those type of potatoes that you can use for mashed potatoes. I like them when they're like waxy. I don't know what they're called, <laughs> but they um, are made specifically for like, um, you know, potato casseroles or for um, potato salad. Um, yeah, I don't know, maybe even for, for French fries or something, but they maintain their um, their structure and they're just so, so good. They're, they taste all, almost creamy. And this together with the sweet potatoes and with any type of bean, like I put like at least two types of beans in my, in my meal. So mostly like um, chickpeas, because they have a lot of proteins in them and lentils because they too have a very high protein content. And these beans, they fill me up t- together with the, with the potatoes. And if I have a bowl and I have, you know, half with the veggies that are low calories and I have the other half with a mixture of the potatoes and beans, I'm satisfied. I'm good. And I have gotten, you know, the nutrients that I need for my meal. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, satisfied. I'm not feeling as though I, I need to, um, you know, eat more. I'm not driven to, to eat more as I would be if I had like a, a higher calorie, you know, processed meal with like lots of sugar or fat or salt in there. It's relatively low in salt and, um, and, and sugar and, and fat because, you know, all of the sugar that I have in there is just from the potatoes, you know, I'm talking in terms of carbs, not in terms of refined sugar. I don't add any additives in there other than um, veggie broth, um, which does have some sodium in there. Um, But it's, it's overall low sodium, because I'm able to control how much I put in there. Whereas, you know, when you have a processed meal, you don't have the, the chance to manage how much salt you put in there. So it's, it's really, it's really fulfilling and filling. Um, so I, I make this meal and the other meal I make, um, very often is, um, chickpea tuna. I love this again with chickpeas because there's a high protein content. Um, and the beans are starchy, you know, so they're very filling. It's comfort food. It tastes great. And I mix that together with, um, mix it together with, um, 
yeah, what do I put in there? Seaweed I put in there. I, I um, take like a sheet of seaweed and I um, sort of rip it up into tiny pieces and I mix it in there so it gives it a sort of tuna-like taste. Um, I put in pickles. Um, I put in, you know, onions and I do season it with, with salt and, and garlic. And when I mix that all up together with a base of, um, sometimes I put in veggie mayonnaise in there, um, or I might put a yogurt, but mostly the, the vegan, sorry, not veggie, but vegan mayonnaise. So no dairy in there whatsoever, but there is um, oil in there. So I have to, you know, be careful about how much I put in there. I mean, I don't have to be careful, but I try to reduce it as much as possible. Um, just enough to give it some taste, some flavor and to, you know, sort of mix it up. So it's not really dry. And I, and I eat this together with a, a whole wheat wrap. Um, and I fill it up the wrap with, together with the chickpea tuna together with lettuce, um, cabbage, peppers, and tomato. And I put as much of that as possible so that it almost even overpowers the chickpea tuna because there's so much fiber in it. And eating this whole wheat wrap together with all of this fiber and veggies and this portion of um, chickpeas, you know, this mixture of uh, chickpea tuna is filling. It's really filling. It tastes good because the wrap adds another dimension, you know, to the, the taste. It tastes good and it's, you know, chewy. Now, um, you know, full transparency, the whole wheat wrap is not a hundred percent whole foods. Um, it is processed, right? Like most breads are, but my entire meal does not have to be a hundred percent whole food. Like I said, if you're looking at the whole foods spectrum, then you want to, um, mix and match, you know, but, um, so that the meal that you, that you prepare tastes its best for you and is satisfying for you, but you want to try as much as possible to prepare your meal with as much of the meal containing lower calorie veggies as possible. And, um, you know, a base of, of, starchy vegetables to, to fill you up and to satisfy you with the, with the taste, you know, that, that satisfying, um, filling, uh, taste that you want to have. And then if you want to jazz it up with some seasoning or with some, you know, vegan mayonnaise or have, you know, a bread or a wrap that gives it a different texture and taste, then that's your prerogative. Um, and you, it's up to you really to decide how much you have of, of what type of ingredient still trying to comply as much as possible with the food guidelines so that you don't overpower your food with higher calorie, um, ingredients and then don't reap the benefits of having, you know, the, the 50, 50 plate, 50, um, half of it being low calorie veggies and the other half being higher calorie veggies. I'm sorry, starchy vegetables and non-starchy vegetables. The, uh, 
the um, non-starchy vegetables being the lower calorie vegetables and the um, starchy vegetables being the moderately higher calorie, moderately calorie vegetables. <laughs> it's late, you guys. I'm sorry. It's time for me to go to bed, but I wanted to get this episode out and stay on track as I promised from the first episode. So forgive all of my uh, mumbling and um, yeah, I hope you can follow um, what I'm saying. So I want to just um, say again how important it is that both of my meals that I that I gave examples of here, the lentil stew and the chickpea tuna, they fill me up. They contain half veggies with lower calories and half veggies with more moderate uh, calories, you know, from, from the starch and the fiber. Um, and this is a good combination for keeping you in a lower or a negative energy balance, which helps you to lose fat. So in this episode, I just wanted to impress upon you that it's really not about the amount of food on your plate. You don't need to portion your food if you prepare your plates according to the guideline. Again, what you put on your plate, like veggies, half of which should be non-starchy, is much more important than how much. If you reduce the volume of food, but the food is high in calories, like dairy products or fatty meats, or processed foods with sugar and fat and salt that drive you to overeat, you know, they trigger you and make you want to have more and more so that you end up with a second or third plate, then the reduced portion of food does not help you create a negative energy balance. So always consider the whole foods spectrum with nuts and animal fat on one end and low calorie veggies on the other end and try to prepare your meals mostly with plants to cut down on animal fats from from dairy and avoid as much oil as possible to ensure that you're creating a negative energy balance with lower calorie foods by filling half of your meal with non-starchy veggies. So I'm going to bring this episode to an end um, and I hope that you enjoyed it. Thanks for listening. If you want to get more tips on calorie management, head on over to Herschel Fit to join the free course where I give you um, more tips and more strategies on bringing yourself into an energy balance, also reducing stress, which can lead you to overeat, especially as a, a menopausal woman. So I will leave the link in the description be, um, below the episode. And don't forget, I'll be finishing my mini ebook with a few of my favorite whole food desserts that are created to satisfy your sweet tooth, but curb your cravings. And I'll post it either on Instagram or on my website, uh, but I'll give you a heads up uh, once it's here. So until the next episode, stay blessed and stay healthy and don't forget if you have a sweet tooth guilt-free always tastes and feels better